Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. And who was the winner last night of the disastrous Democrat debate round two? <laughs> Donald J. Trump. <laughs> Again. Yeah, that's true. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are oh, you today? Oh, man, I'm really doing well. So I know we got a packed show, brother. Brother, are they walking themselves into a <laughs> trap or what? Ladies and gentlemen, there are two axiomatic things about national elections you should never get out of your head. These are two truths that are irrefutable. Truth number one is you got to be somewhat likable. Uh, Nobody was really that likable on stage no. other than, I think, uh, Delaney last night. Mm. And secondly, is you can't tack so hard to the wing on the left that you can't track back to the middle after the primary's over. <laughs> Those two truths were were imminently thrown out the window, burned, forget it. The Democrats are in a world of trouble. I have a stacked show for you today. One, we have a couple of clips in the takeaways, more than a couple, actually, four or five. Yeah. They're short, but takeaways from the Dem disaster last night that everyone else will call a debate, okay? Uh, even Democrats are starting to, like Chris Matthews is starting to realize yeah. they're in a lot of trouble. How about that? I have a, a, a really fantastic story by John Solomon again about another breaking component of the Spygate case that we've told you about. They tried this before. It was a movie script. Mm. Don't go anywhere. All right. All right let's get right Here into it. Go. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Law Shield. Ladies and gentlemen, are you carrying a firearm? Are you a legal concealed carry weapons permit holder? Do not carry without the protections of Law Shield. Listen, can you be a Second Amendment? I'm a big supporter of the Second Amendment. You, if you can, you should be able to defend yourself. We obviously get that, but don't carry naked. Don't carry naked. What do I mean by that? I'm not talking about your clothes. I'm talking about the protections of Law Shield. Uh. Hey, I want, to, I want you to hear this crazy story. A 64-year-old, this is a true story, New York State man was who fatally shot prowlers in his house this is the second time they broke in. So the 64-year-old man shoots these prowlers who broke into his house the second time. But that's not why the story's nuts. If they're killing the suspects, the homeowner was arrested. That's right, the homeowner, because the firearm which saved his life originally belonged to his dead father, and he failed to register it when he inherited it. That's a true story. You believe that? He's arrested, charged with felony possession of an illegal handgun. Thankfully, he's out on bail, but his legal issues aren't over and can end up costing him thousands. Stories like this, where I tell you, don't carry a firearm naked. You need the protections of U.S. Law Shield for less than $11 per month. You not only have 24-7, 365 access to an attorney, but you won't pay a penny in attorney's fees if this nightmare ever happens to you. I know a few people who shall remain nameless this happened to use the firearm in self-defense or in the performance of their duties. And as a special gift for my listeners, 
U.S. Law Shield created an exclusive website at uslawshield.com slash Dan. You can get their five defender reports worth $100 absolutely free. You'll be amazed how much useful information is inside these defender reports. If you're a proud firearm owner like me, you need U.S. Law Shield. Go to uslawshield.com slash Dan right now. Join me in the fight to protect your rights to keep and bear arms. uslawshield.com slash Dan right now. Do not carry your firearm naked. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go. All right. First off, so, um, they, of course, they had one of the moderators last night for the debate. If you happen to uh, tune in on CNN, they probably, what, Joe, times 10, uh, uh, quintuple, double quintuple their audience last night. <laughs> yeah. uh, nobody ever watches nah. CNN outside of airports, passive watching at best. But they... Um, they chose for one of the moderators, Don Lemon, um, as Tucker calls him, if I may steal that from him, otherwise known as Don Lemon. And uh, Don Lemon uh, moderating in the debate is hysterical. I mean, Don Lemon is one of the premier conspiracy theorists, tinfoil cap wearers yeah. in the country, promoting the collusion hoax, uh, disingenuously accusing the president of everything from things like being a traitor and a racist. Uh, Don Lemon is not a serious person. Uh, so let me just show you quickly to start off. This is how Don Lemon frames an alleged question last night showing you in fact ladies and gentlemen that journalism died a long time ago listen to this absurdity what do you say to those trump voters who prioritize the economy over the president's bigotry <laughs> are you kidding me come on uh, no i'm not i uh, not that was an actual question yeah, yeah. Uh, don lamont again pretending for, for for a moment to be a, a serious moderator and who is it in Fox history? I said, there's no moderate moderator anymore. <laughs> no. uh, what would you say to voters who prioritize the president's focus on the economy over his bigotry? That's a question. <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I just want to start you off and get you in the right frame of mind before we go forward. That uh, outside of a, a few decent questions by Tapper, the debate was largely unserious by the candidates. Yeah. And Don Lamont did not contribute to, to, in any way. Uh, positively to getting some sense of ideas of where these candidates stand. So moving on, here is another far left wing, uh, you know, pseudo TV personality who's really a full time activist, Chris Matthews. Even Chris Matthews agrees last night that this debate was a disaster for Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Let me just frame up what happened beforehand. Many of you may have missed the debate. Some of you may have caught it. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, the far left radicals on the stage were Joe. They were assailed by Tim Ryan mm -hmm. and John Delaney Two, eh, you know, not really moderate, but definitely not far left liberal congressmen yeah. who just destroyed them on this Medicare for all these pie in the sky, money fairy type, you know, almost like conspiracy theory, economic plans. They're nonsense. So even Chris Matthews agrees last night was not a good light night for the far left, especially uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Check that when you've lost Chris Matthews, it's over. Chris, uh, this happens in debates as much a discussion about who they are, how they want to present themselves as a party, uh, as there was how they're going to beat this guy in 2020 if they're going to be uh, successful. Well, I, t I think they were dealing with serious issues tonight. There's no doubt it. They talked, uh, let's talk about the issue that really drove Donald Trump's campaign last time, the immigration, illegal immigration, undocumented workers, if you will. Uh, they talked about making it non-criminal to come in the country illegally. Okay, that's going a bit further away from Trump. On health care, they talked about basically Medicare for your whole life or government-run health care 
Well, that's going to cost more money. Obviously, if you pay in, as we all do, all of us do now, for Medicare, if you reach age 65, you're going to have to pay more into to pay for your health care your whole life. But Warren wouldn't answer that question. Bernie said that's Republican talking points. So I think, and then the third one, they really disagreed on the Green New Deal. So past, current, and future, it seems to me they hit on the big ones. They're in a lot of trouble. Mm. Even Matthew's starting to realize this far-left lurch of the Democrat Party may not be best for them to pull back. What did I tell you was axiom number two. You cannot run so radically far left so that when the primary's over and you have to turn back towards the center of the country, it's impossible. Folks, there's an interesting piece in the Wall Street Journal today, and at the end, they make a point I have been making on this show for eons now. Joe, the days of being able to talk about ridiculous things like 90% tax rates, government-run health care, takeovers of the student loan industry, Mm -hmm. which Obama actually did, all of this radical Green New Deal far-left stuff in a primary, and then going into the general and saying, well, well, now I'm for reasonable tax rates and school choice are over. Why? What's the difference now? Let me show you what the difference is. This, Mm -hmm. that's the difference. That's my phone. That's the difference. Everybody records everything now. That wasn't the case 20, 30 years ago. There are volumes and volumes. The Trump war room and the RNC is putting out volumes and volumes now of video evidence of these people saying ridiculous things. They're in a world of trouble. Now, a guy I ran against for Congress, John Delaney, many of you know, I'm not going to go into the backstory again, but Delaney was on stage last night. Again, sounded at least for this radical left now field of candidates. He sounded like the only sane guy on the stage. And even his ideas are far left. Here's Delaney last night going in full attack mode to Bernie Sanders on this ridiculous Medicare for all plan. And I want to explain because I got a few more cuts on this, why this is such a disaster and the bait and switch they're pulling. Here's Delaney fighting back against the radical leftists. Keep in mind, Delaney has some far left plans, too. Mm -hmm. Folks, we have a choice. We can go down the road that Senator Sanders and Senator Warren want to take us with his with bad policies like Medicare for all free everything, and impossible promises that'll turn off independent voters and get Trump reelected. That's what happened with McGovern. That's what happened with Mondale. That's what happened with Dukakis. Where have you heard that before? (laughs) Oh, here? On my appearances on Fox? Folks, this has been tried before. McGovern, Mondale, and Dukakis. I've given, I usually don't cite McGovern because he's a little older. But I always cite Dukakis, and I always cite Mondale. Mm -hmm. Mondale ran against Reagan on raising your taxes. Joe, he promptly lost 49 out of 50 states and won his home state of Minnesota by 3,000 votes. That's it. He Do you understand Mondale literally lost all 50 states? And from what my Secret Service buddies who were around in the Reagan days tell me— Reagan actually didn't go to Minnesota because he felt bad for Mondale, basically ceding Mondale's home state to not wipe him out in a 50 state in the landslide. Reagan won New York, Maryland, Hawaii, California. How do you win 49 out of 50? That's not even possible anymore. Now, some evidence that what Delaney's saying is true. Government-run health care. Forget this Medicare for all thing. That's just the label the Democrats want. It's government-run, single-payer health care, rationed health care. That's what it is. Full stop, okay? Right. Marist poll. 64% of Democrats support that. Okay, great. So that might help you win a Democrat primary, right, Joe? Medicare for all. What's the problem, folks? As Delaney pointed out, because this guy is the only one with any common sense on the stage, 
41% of the overall electorate support it. Folks, that's nowhere near enough people to get you elected nationally. That 41% probably represents the 64% of Democrats and a few independents thrown in. It's not enough. You're going to lose. All of this stuff is on videotape. All of it. Every bit of it. It's not going to go anywhere. Do you understand they are walking into a trap here? None of this video is going anywhere. Tim Ryan, last night, another, I mean, again, none of these guys are moderates, make no mistake. I wouldn't even consider voting or supporting a Democrat these days because they're all leftists. The question is, what degree of leftism are we talking about? Clearly, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are far, far left radicals. Tim Ryan, who at least is trying to move a bit towards the center, he's a congressman from Ohio. He's got no chance of winning. Tim Ryan effectively owned the libs himself last night. This is Tim Ryan in 20 seconds or less puzzled about how crazy what was said on the stage last night was. In this discussion already tonight, we've talked about taking private health insurance away from union members in the industrial Midwest. We've talked about decriminalizing the border, and we've talked about giving free health care to undocumented workers when so many Americans are struggling to pay for their health care. I, quite frankly, don't think that that is an agenda that we can move forward on and win. Uh, There you go. I mean... There it is. There's the, <laughs> there's the Democrat debate summed up in a 20 second clip Joe put together. Yes, for sir. That's it. That's the debate summed up. You're going to cancel free market health care plans. Unions spent decades lobbying for. Mm-hmm. They forfeited boatloads of wages to get, frankly, but some gold plated insurance plans. Uh, but that's what they did. They said, we'd rather take it in health insurance instead. Fine. They negotiated that. You understand if you're a union member that those very plans are going to be canceled, right? Do you understand? I mean, again, I can't play the whole debate, but there's one part in the debate last night where Delaney tells Bernie Sanders, I read section, what was it, 1200, Paula? Paula was laughing because she's like, 1200 sections of the bill? Delaney's like, Bernie, section 1200 of your bill specifically makes these plans illegal. It's like Bernie doesn't know what's in his own bill. Listen, union folks out there, I've come from a union family. You are not my enemy. You are my ally, whether you think so or not. I I don't support forced unionization, but you work for a living. God bless you. It's your hands that built America. You are not the enemy on this show. I don't care what Democrats tell you. Republicans, you are are, are not your enemy. We just don't like people being forced to do anything, including join a union. But make no mistake, your hands built this country. And you should have a voice in your own job, a collective voice, which helps you bargain for things. I have... I. God bless you, and I mean that. Mm -hmm. But do you understand that these far-left radical plans like Medicare for All and a public option are going to effectively eliminate what your union has bargained for? Please tell me you understand that. That is not in dispute by any sane, rational economist. Tim Ryan also. We're talking about providing health care to illegal immigrants. We haven't even figured out how 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 to insure America yet. I listen, we don't have to own the libs, they own themselves. I even have this down. Tim Ryan own, owns the libs himself. That's why I didn't know how else to title that one. By the way, hat tip to Caleb Hall. Um, who we do have a business role. He does some video for us, but his Twitter feed was gold for a lot of these stuff. Yeah, man. A lot of the stuff. He did some really great cuts. So nice job to Caleb on that. Um, moving on. Here's Pete Buttigieg, mayor of South Bend, Indiana. 
continuing his attack on Christians. I just don't get this guy's fascination with attacking Christianity, spiritual people in this country, faith-based people. I don't think what he's going to... I'm not sure what he thinks he's going to get out of this, but here he makes a ridiculous comparison between the fight for 15 minimum wage and how I guess we're not real Christians if we believe in economic common sense. Here's Pete Buttigieg blowing it. The minimum wage is just too low. And so-called conservative Christian senators right now in the Senate are blocking a bill to raise the minimum wage when scripture says that whoever oppresses the poor taunts their maker. He is totally blowing his chances right now if he were to get the nomination, which I don't think is going to happen. Totally blowing his chances. Why he insists on constantly attacking Christians is frankly bizarre. I don't get it. Here's a National Review piece by Jack Crow uh, talking about the $15 an hour minimum wage. Federal $15 an hour minimum wage would eliminate 1.3 million jobs. CBO, Congressional Budget Office says, by Jack Crow. That piece will be up in the show notes today. It's from National Review. Show notes at Bongino.com. Ladies and gentlemen, He's citing Proverbs, by the way, and Proverbs, the passage he's citing from the Bible talks about individual responsibility to care for the poor, not individuals giving to a government that's going to flush money down the toilet bowl to mandate a minimum wage nationally. It's going to cost 1.3 million people their jobs. I don't know what's Christian about getting people fired. Right. Did I miss that? Do you read that passage in the Bible, Joe? You go to church on Sunday. Uh, I haven't seen it put that way. No. I haven't seen it either. No. We must fire people in mass by the millions in order to what? Get our, our ticket into heaven? I don't remember reading that one. I've never heard that in a homily. Thank you, Father Pete. Father Pete, at it again. He always seems to go to this, it's not Christian if, it's not Christian if. And keep in mind, it's the guy who supports abortion. (laughs) Into the late terms. First thing that came to mind. First thing that came to mind when I heard it. Oh, my gosh. Really, dude? But it gets worse for Buttigieg. Well, I'm telling you, I think is blowing his chances here. He could really, he could have come off. He has a likable, remember axiom number one, you got to be likable. Or likable to enough people to win. And he seems like a likable guy, Buttigieg. But he's blowing it by going on this ridiculous attack against people of faith over and over again. But here he goes again last night. Folks, this one we're going to, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this one before we move on to Solomon and Demo, I got I, the Baltimore, I got some more Baltimore stuff too. So I'm going to try to just hammer through it. But this is important. What Buttigieg said last night, you're going to see repeated now. He's trying to say that if government takes over health care, i.e. government-run health care, single-payer, what they call Medicare for all, which is really Medicare for none, he's suggesting, Joe, that yes, taxes may go up, but hey, you would have paid that money anyway in premiums, so Joe, by default, you're just paying the same amount, it's all going to zero out, and really, in essence, there's no difference between taxes and premiums. Erroneous! Here's Buttigieg. <laughs> yes, Vince, that is erroneous. Thank you. We haven't heard that in a while. Here's Pete Buttigieg, and I'm going to debunk this because I promise you are going to hear this as the debate goes on. Play that cut. You are willing to raise taxes on middle-class Americans in order to have universal coverage with the 
disappearance of insurance premiums, yes or no? I think you can buy into it. That's the idea of Medicare for all who want it. Look, this is a distinction without a difference, whether you're paying the same money in the form of taxes or premiums. Look, in this country, if you have health coverage, if you don't have health coverage, you're paying too much for care. And if you do have health coverage, you're paying too much for care. It is not a distinction without a difference. This is economic ignorance, ladies and gentlemen, at its finest. Let me break this down. Again, Joe, I need you as the audience ombudsman here, okay? Aye, sir. Um, this is not terribly complicated, but it's going to require a little bit of an explanation. All right. Buttigieg's point, or what he's, the point he's trying to make, which I think he knows is ridiculous, is that if I am forced to pay taxes for health care, or I pay voluntarily premiums for health care to an insurance company, it's the same money regardless, so it doesn't matter where it goes. He said that. He said it was a distinction without a difference. Right. Meaning, by logic, because that's what we do on the show, there's no difference, right, Joe? Mm-hmm. Distinction right. without a difference means there's no difference. Yeah, correct. So Pete Buttigieg's top-line headline is, there's no difference between forced taxes and unforced health insurance premiums. Ladies and gentlemen, I assure you there is a world of difference number one ladies and gentlemen insurance companies don't operate at the end of a barrel of a gun in other words the irs ladies and gentlemen has the power to arrest you they can use force Mm -hmm. the irs is a government entity empowered by representatives of our government that can use force to prosecute you if you do not obey their laws Insurance companies do not have that. In other words, the same money, air quotes, Buttigieg says you would have paid to the government and the same money you would have paid to a health insurance company is not the same. If you don't like your health insurance company, Joe, you can flip them the double barrel middle finger and get another one. Right. Like Paula and I did when I was back in Maryland and I had a health insurance company tell me to fuse my spine. They wouldn't pay for the other surgery. So, Joe, you know what we did? Hold on. Let me think back to what we did. Oh, we canceled them. That's what we did. Yeah. And we went with a different insurance company that said, yeah, we'll cover that. Good luck with the government. Again, that operates at the end of the barrel of a gun. I don't mean it as as a with a any kind of a a violent totalitarian overtone. What I'm telling you is, is I'm making an analogy. The government has a monopoly over the use of force. The government can arrest you, handcuff you, take away your freedom, and use force against you if you don't obey their edicts. Health insurance insurance companies cannot. They are not the same. Understood. Thank you. This is important. This is not a distinction without a difference. The difference is a chasm. There's a huge difference. You can't escape the government. You can't escape a disastrous health insurance company. Not apologizing for the health insurance companies. I just told you about what we didn't like. And we got away from it. Secondly, private premiums, free market premiums versus taxes. They are not the same. Folks, when you pay a premium for a health insurance plan, you are paying for health insurance for what? You and your family. Joe, is any of this mysterious? Yeah. If this gets confusing, Time out. I'm going to get you a red flag under the hood for review. <laughs> yeah, when you pay a health insurance premium, 
You are paying for health insurance for you and your family. When you pay taxes, you are not paying for you and your family. You're paying for you. You're paying for your neighbor. And according to the Democrats, you're paying for the whole world because illegal immigrants can come to the country and get health care financed by you too. It is not a distinction without a difference. It is a distinction with a massive, a a Grand Canyon-like chasm of a difference. Mm -hmm. First, you're paying for a, through your taxes to an IRS you can't escape via a health insurance company you can. And secondly, you're not paying for your stuff. You're paying for your stuff and everybody else's. Ridiculous talking point. Let me make one last point on this too. Ladies and gentlemen, every time the government gets involved in some economic sphere oh. of influence, they destroy it. Yeah. It is not by, by chance that the two spheres of our economy that have exploding costs we cannot control are college and healthcare. What is the common theme in college and healthcare? Government intervention, ladies and gentlemen, the government took over the student loan market and operates roughly 40 to 50% of the healthcare market. That's why the costs are out of control. Ladies and gentlemen, I ask you, when you get the government out of an economic sphere of influence, where do cost control cost control get out of control so nobody can pay it? I used to use this analogy a lot, and it's important. Okay, Costs cannot get out of control long-term. You can't have a product nobody can afford. Please think this through. Joe, remember the early days we were on SoundCloud and we were getting like 100 downloads a show sure when we did. first started? Yeah. I used to use the analogy of a Bentley or a Rolls-Royce dealership in portions of downtown Haiti. All right. Haiti's struggling. Haiti's been struggling since the earthquake. It's been struggling for a long time. Poor political leader. It's a very, relatively poor country. So let me ask you a simple question. Why would you just not put a Bentley dealership or Rolls Royce dealership in Haiti? You're probably listening like this is a dumb analogy. No, no, I assure you it's not. You don't put a Rolls Royce dealership there because generally there's no market for it because Haitians are in a struggling economy right now, largely cannot afford to buy that product. Some can, many can't. Mm-hmm. You're not going to sell any. In other words, you can't produce a product in a sane economy nobody can buy. You don't produce a Rolls Royce in a country nobody can afford it. How is it that healthcare costs can get so expensive that nobody buys it? The answer is you're not buying it. The government is. The government's just printing money and taking yours and just giving it to them. If the government was buying Bentleys and Rolls Royces for everybody in Haiti, the United States government, you would have a Bentley and a Rolls Royce dealership in Haiti, which would probably collapse after a while because eventually that model would fail. People would be, wait, why are we buying Bentleys and Rolls Royces for people in Haiti? You can't have a product so expensive nobody can afford it. They don't seem to get that. That's why college and healthcare are so expensive mm-hmm. because the government's taking money from everybody else. They could invest in their own lives and their own business and pumping it in to subsidize student loans and healthcare for other people. All right. It's the old other people spending other people's money on other people. Yeah. Yes. I love the that. fourth way to spend money there thanks to the brilliant Milton Friedman. When other people, governments, spend other people's money, taxpayers, on other people, other taxpayers, neither cost nor quality matter. Right. It's not your money if you're in the government, and you're not even buying a product for yourself. You're spending it neither the cost nor the quality matter. The old Milton Friedman edge, the joke of government spending is you think you're spending your neighbor's money. 
Mm. Except your neighbor thinks the same thing. You get it? (laughs) All right. The debate last night was a disaster. I want to move on to Baltimore, though. Baltimore, the situation in Baltimore is just exploding. I had a heated debate with Geraldo last night on Hannity. I, I, I said to you yesterday during the show that what I what I said on the air on my show, I'd say to him live on TV, and we did last night. It got a little heated, but I have some uh, some more stuff about Baltimore. Don't go anywhere. And I got this John Solomon story, very important. All right, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Harry's. 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 We love Harry's razors. Cleanest, closest shave out there. The nice part about Harry's razor, this is mine. Got the travel cover on, as you can see. Look at that slim, sleek razor there. Is with me, at least, I only have to shave once. I used to have to shave twice a day. Had horrible razor burn. Why? Because I do the show in the morning. Do your thing. Shave. Right? I do the show about 10 o'clock Eastern time. It's usually up by noon. Nighttime, I have to do Fox. <laughs> Tonight, I'm on Laura Ingram. By that time, hair's already grown all over my face because I have, uh, you know, a ridiculously fast metabolism. Shave again with these other razors that happen to be cheapos. And what would happen? Razor burn all over. Looks like I, cha- I, I, I had a chainsaw on my face, okay? Yeah. Here's Harry's. No problem at all. Shave once a day. Joe, you love Harry's too, don't yeah, you? I do. I, I know you them. love yeah. Harry's because you told me about it. Yep. Shave once a day. I'm gold. Beautiful looking razor. Check it out. A lot of guys buy disposable razors when they travel, but this summer you don't have to sacrifice quality for price. Harry's delivers high quality travel friendly shave suppliers at a great low price, just $2 per blade. Join 10 million Harry's users right now. Claim your special offer by going to Harry's, H A R R Y S dot com slash Bongino. Harry's dot com slash Bongino. Harry's founders were tired of paying for overpriced gimmicks. Joe, flexi mm-hmm. balls, flux capacitors, uh, DeLoreans, time travel yeah. machines. <laughs> Just give me a razor, a razor to shave the face. And that's what Harry's did. They bought a ra- they bought a blade factory themselves. They make quality, durable blades at a fair price. Just $2 per blade. You're not going to beat that, folks. They cut out the middleman. That's how they do it. Now they can provide great quality at factory direct prices. 100% quality guarantee. You don't love your shave? Let them know for a full refund. You will. You'll never send it back. This summer, refresh your wallet and face with a Harry's trial set. Here's what it comes with. Weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave, rich lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. Go to harrys.com slash Bongino. Redeem that offer today. Let them know I sent you to help support the show. harrys.com slash Bongino. Yeah. All right, moving on. All right. So uh, Baltimore, this situation in Baltimore the the genesis of it is President Trump tweeted at Congressional Representative from Maryland's 7th Congressional District, Elijah Cummings, right. about the disastrous conditions in his district, his district which covers Baltimore City. Um, and Trump was right. As I've said repeatedly, he should not back away from this fight. So my resident fact checker and debunker, uh, Matt Palumbo, has a great book coming out, by the way, called Debunk This, available on Amazon, coming out very soon, very, uh, very, very, very soon. I got confused between shortly and uh, soon there. Very soon. You should check that out. I asked him to put together a piece on Baltimore. And ladies and gentlemen, here are some stunning, stunning statistics about Baltimore. The title of the piece, which will be in the show notes today, it's up at Bongino.com, is Baltimore's $1.8 billion stimulus boondoggle proves Trump right. I'm going to add a word in there. Again. (laughs) Yeah. Folks, you want to see just how badly the, the, the failed leadership of Baltimore, who has failed our citizens, 
Baltimoreans have the exact same constitutional liberties and freedoms. They do not live on some other planet. They are our citizens who have been let down by legions of failed Democratic politicians who have run that place into the ground. They have not had a Republican mayor of Baltimore since McKeldin in the 60s. That's right. They have run the place into the ground. Into the ground. Takeaway number one from this piece. Even even Paula before the show thought we printed this wrong. There was a stimulus package. Your federal tax dollars, you, your money, given to Baltimore. What happened to it? Well, of the $4.7 billion given to Maryland, $1.8 billion was allocated specifically for Baltimore. And while the state may have been transparent, that doesn't mean the money was spent in any way that generated any noticeable change. Here's a breakdown from the Washington Free Beacon. This is all in the piece, folks. This is astonishing. One of Baltimore's zip codes, 21201, received the most stimulus funding in the city, Joe. A total of $837 million. Oh. The amount included funding for 276 awards, and the website reports that the spending created 290 jobs in the fourth quarter. Wow. 290 jobs for 837 million. What does that come out to? Two million dollars per job. (laughs) Oh, two million. Two million. Two million dollars per job of your money. You now understand why I'm going to the Baltimore story after the debate last night and Pete Buttigieg's nonsense statement that giving money to the government for health care is the same as you spending it yourself on your own health care? Businesses that create jobs don't pay $2 million for jobs that don't add $2 million worth of value. The government does. Why? Because it's not the government's money, as Joe pointed out, Milton Friedman. It's other people spending other people's money on other people. Cost doesn't matter. It's not your money. Quality doesn't matter or the quality of the job. It's not your job either. What do you care? Or your business? It's a distinction without a difference, as Buttigieg says. Uh, wrong. (laughs) Oh, it's a chasm of a difference. It is an asteroid size, like earth-destroying asteroid size of a difference. Give me a break. Two million per job. Wasted. Flushed down the toilet bowl. In Baltimore. Failed political leaders. But yeah, let's not pay any attention because we should all be afraid of the Democrats calling us racist. Stop with this. Stop being chumps. I'm not talking to you, my listeners. I'm talking about the cowardly rhinos out there. Oh, the media's going to call us racist. They're going to call you racist for anything. They're going to call you racist for buying ice cream from Mr. Softy. They're going to call you racist for picking up a pizza from Anna's Pizza down the block. What are you okay? They call you racist for it. It doesn't matter. They're going to call us racist. Who cares? The word is lost all meaning because of liberals. They're going to call you a racist for anything. Are we not entitled to ask what happened to $1.8 billion? Our money. We did this. Mm -hmm. You created that money by going to work and the government confiscated it. Again, at the end of the barrel of a gun by force. You can't choose to pay your taxes. You can choose to pay premiums. You can't choose to pay taxes. They took your money, other people, spent it on other people they couldn't care any less about. And look what happened. It was wasted because there was no incentive for quality control because it's not their money or their job. 
Let's talk some more about Baltimore. Racist. Everybody's a racist. You're a racist. She's a racist. They're a racist. Everybody's a racist all the time. The saddest part about that, as I've said, is real racists wind up getting a pass because everybody's a racist, according to the Democrats. Let's bring up takeaway number two from Matt's piece on the website, which is worth your time. Let's talk about public safety in Baltimore. Look at this chart. Quote, anti-crime initiatives in Baltimore failed spectacularly. As America's major cities have become more peaceful overall over the past decade, Baltimore has not. Baltimore has nearly three times as many murders per capita as Chicago. Oh, Folks, there's a graph in the piece you can look at if you're watching on YouTube.com slash Bongino. You can see it on the screen. Baltimore's homicide rate has exploded. Ladies and gentlemen, on a very serious note. Yeah. These are our people. They're not they. They're not, the, you know, from, from some kind of comic book from the past. These are our people. There are a lot of very good folks. And I got a lot of emails, and fair enough, a fair criticism. I read your emails. A lot of folks said, well, Dan, you know, I got what you said about there being a lot of good people there, but it's their responsibility to vote in better people. Fair enough. I'm not an apologist for anyone. I'm not going to make victims out of anybody. But folks, I'm just asking you for a moment to entertain what I'm about to say. The black community in Baltimore has been institutionally lied to. When I say institution, I mean hard institutions, academia, the media, and the culture. They have been bombarded with propaganda, disinformation, and gaslighting for 50-plus years, ladies and gentlemen. The black community didn't always vote Democrat. I ask you to put yourself in their shoes for a moment and to just try. I'm not making or apologizing or making a victim at it or, or saying your point is invalid. Yes, you do have a responsibility to vote in different people. I'm just suggesting that if you were submerged, Joe, mm-hmm. in academic nonsense in academia about how Republicans hate black people, mm-hmm. media propaganda, endless media propaganda about we're all racist Republicans. Mm-hmm. And then movies, a culture and a pop culture suggesting again that you are the victim of a big uh, critical theory conspiracy by the white patriarchy to keep you down. Folks, I just ask you for a moment with that relentless bombarding of propaganda. Can you at least understand for a moment while it's hard for people to make an informed decision when they're not getting the information? I'm not, again, I'm not apologizing. There are ways to do it. Go to the internet. You can research. And there is, thankfully, as Candace Owens calls it, a blexit, a black exit from the Democrat Party. Is it happening in large enough numbers? No, unfortunately, I wish it were bigger. But it is happening. But I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm asking you to be somewhat sympathetic here to the fact that you're talking about citizens, our citizens of Baltimore, mm-hmm. uh, blacks and Hispanics, minorities in particular, who've been bombarded for 50 years with propaganda about Republicans are racist. I mean, it's kind of tough to, to vote on information when the information you're getting is wrong and it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Again, fair enough criticism, though. I read your emails. 
But folks, I was a cop in an inner city in New York in a 7-5 precinct. These are real folks with real consequences to their lives, really suffering in some of these places who really give a damn. You know, you'd see these innocent victims walking down the street in a 7-5. I mean, I'll never forget. I, I don't know. I'd been on patrol maybe two, three months. Who knows? Folks, this may not be family friendly, this section. So I'm going to give you a second to kind of, if a little one's listening, to maybe skip ahead by like 30 seconds or a minute. Okay. Um, so when I was a cop, one of the things that we'll probably get demonetized for this too, but it's worth talking about. There was a bodega on the corner, you know, basically a deli in New York home bodegas. Mm -hmm. And it was on a corner and I got called to go stand at a crime scene. So I, well, I was on a foot post. I had to walk there. It took me about 10 minutes to get there. And there was a, a mom there and inconsolable. She had lost her son. Uh, and she saw her son like you should never see your son with his brains all over the potatoes on the floor. Now, for those of you that remember New York bodegas and delis, they used to keep potatoes in sacks on the, you know, on the plastic on the floor because potatoes can be messy, generate a lot of potato dust and dirt. Mm -hmm. So they would keep them on the floor underneath the register. And a lot of these, not all of them. Well, I walked in to see this young child's brains all over the potatoes. Um, literally. Is okay, you can tune back in now. You only need to see that one time in a crying mom to change your whole outlook on life. Let me tell you something. In that moment, when you're, what was I, 21? I don't even know. My early 20s? Maybe 22 at best? You can't look at that and say, you know what? I love politics and arguing, but sometimes you got to like take the politics, wrap it up in a paper bag, and throw it right in the garbage and just say to yourself, what the hell is happening here? Folks, the, the mom was, the kid was an innocent victim, by the way, of a robbery in there if I remember the details correctly. It's our job as conservatives and Republicans because liberals are not, in, I'm not talking about all Democrats here, but the radical left is not interested in fixing any of this. They're interested in scoring political points against the president. It is our job to make sure no mom ever has to see that again. No mom, no dad, no brother, no sister, no neighbor should ever walk into a bodega to see that sight I saw that day. These are our people. And if the lazy, pathetic, radical, far-left, extremist, anti-Trump, maniacal liberals cannot get their heads out of their collective rumps for two minutes to see and to envision what I just told you happened and to find a way forward to fixing it, which I discussed yesterday, then you're a, you are a stain on this society and a curse to, our, a curse to the human race. And then I love it. I mean, ah, you guys are the racist. As if I get any benefit by talking about. What do you think I get out of this? I'm not running for office. I, I have no chance whatsoever in Maryland of getting any Democrat votes in Baltimore City. It showed up there repeatedly. Why? To be embarrassed and humiliated? Because it matters to me. And whether liberals think it matters to me or not, I don't give a... I don't care. Now... Let's move on. Another takeaway from Matt's piece. These kids deserve a shot. These are our citizens bombarded in anti-Republican, conservative, anti-freedom propaganda for 50 years. These kids can't get an education. Look at this. What about the schools? I quote from Matt's piece. Stimulus spending aside, Baltimore public schools spend more per student on education than any other system in the country except for two. 
They spend $16,184 per student, more than 50% higher than the national average in Baltimore. Time out a second. So we've now established, Joe, Uh and this matters to Joe, too. And uh, Listen, Joe doesn't get to talk. It's my show. It's not Joe's show. And Joe tempers his comments here and there. But I I talk to Joe a lot. Yeah. And I know Joe like people. I know this matters to Joe too. So any liberal, oh, you guys don't care. You can plant a big wet one on my ass because you don't know squat yep. about what me and Joe care about. So let's just establish this. Mm-hmm. Baltimore spends more money than any other district with the exception of two in the entire country. It's not a money problem. It's not a money problem. They spend 16000 per kid. I send my kid to a local Catholic school here, grammar school, for a fraction of that. Yeah. And she's getting a great education. So liberal zeros, it is not about the money. Get the cotton out of your ears and jam it in your mouth for a second. 16000 a student. 50% higher than the average. We believe in science. You don't believe in squats. Now, what are we getting for a 50% higher per student pay rate Ugh. at 16000 a student in Baltimore? Let's go back to the piece. Here's what you're getting. You're getting squat. Despite that spending, 13 of Baltimore's 39 high schools had zero students. Goose egg, zero. Proficient in math. Oh. Zero. And they had six high schools where only 1% of the students tested proficient. Put in other words, in half of all Baltimore high schools, there were a total of 14 students proficient in math. Holy Dude, one, four, 14. There are more kindergarten kids in my daughter's class a year and a half ago that are proficient in math than in half of Baltimore's high schools. Tell me again now, like, oh, the American dream. Listen, the American dream doesn't apply there. Liberals snuffed it out. These kids have no shot. And that's why I appreciate your emails and I value your input, but I firmly disagree. You're talking about kids who have no shot in education in crap garbage schools. Liberals have burned to the ground, bathing them in this guy's a racist, that guy's a racist, Republicans hate you, libertarians hate you, conservatives hate you. What shot do they have? What information are they voting on? We're not giving them any information. Baltimore's teaching them nothing. You had 14 kids in half the schools that are proficient in math? There were more kids on my block, and I live in a short block here in Palm City, proficient in math. I'm not kidding. There's only 20 houses or so on this block. Baltimore's a city of 600,000 people. You could only find 14 kids in 50% of their schools that are proficient in math? This, Folks, this is our fight. Despite all the liberal absurdities and attacks on us, they are the real racists. 
They have engaged in, not a huge George W. Bush fan, but one of the best lines I've ever heard, the soft bigotry of low expectations for years. They have crapped all over the minority community. They have taken away their education, their jobs, their public safety, every single thing that matters. And God bless President Trump for taking it to him. And as I said to Geraldo last night, some of you missed it. I don't like replaying my stuff unless we have to. Some of you may have saw it on Hattie. It got heated. But I promised you I would say the same thing on the air to him that I said on my show. Geraldo's suggestion was, well, we got to be delicate with the language. Screw the language anymore. Fix it. Fix it. These kids are being shot up in, in horrible places where homicide rates are through the roof with schools that are failure factories and, and places that haven't seen job growth in 50 years. You worried about the language? The language. The language, whatever the language. Well, it can't be this harsh language. At least we're talking about Baltimore now. There you go. I got more. I got one more. Uh, another. Don't go anywhere, please. I got a fantastic Jason Riley quote from the Wall Street Journal about just how dangerous this is, this anti-police rhetoric in these areas, too, and how it doesn't comport at all with the facts. All right, so our last sponsor of the day. Today's uh, sponsor is ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter, this is so easy to use. Listen, a lot of us have had challenges hiring, right? You're looking for people. You're out there. You're, you're sifting through resumes. Nobody's qualified. They don't make it. The resumes, you know, you got a spelling error on the thing. They were, it says that they were supposed to be a shift manager, and they missed the letter in there. <laughs> Remember that, Paula? <laughs> that actually happened. <laughs> okay. Uh, you get the letter they missed? Yeah. That was in an actual resume. I was a shift manager. Uh, it's not what that says. This is what happens when you're sifted through resumes. <laughs> Zipper, that, that, listen, it's a challenge. There's one place you can go, though, where hiring is simple, fast, efficient, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash Bongino. ZipRecruiter.com slash Bongino. Check it out. Listen, hiring used to be hard. Job sites, stacks of resumes, confusing review process. Hiring can be easy at ZipRecruiter.com slash Bongino. What do they do? Well, ZipRecruiter.com slash Bongino will send your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. They don't stop there, though. They have powerful matching technology to save you the time. Scans thousands of resumes to find the people with the right experience, invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never have to miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective. Four out of five employees who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate, get a load of this, within the first day, day one. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Bongino. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bongino. ZipRecruiter.com slash Bongino. Go check it out. Don't deal with the shift manager spelling error mistake on the resume. ShiftRecruiter.com slash Bongino. Okay. Um, folks, I just want to sum up the Baltimore section with this piece by Jason Riley. Jason Riley is a good piece in the Wall Street Journal about how, again, this ridiculous, over-the-top anti-police rhetoric is just decimating these inner cities. The piece is titled, A Reality Check on, quote, Racism and Urban Decay. Disparity in police shootings aren't the product of officers' bias, a new study confirms. So again, 
Ladies and gentlemen, why is public safety collapsing in Baltimore and many of America's inner cities? Because we have people who have relentlessly attacked, like the uh, the former uh, city state's attorney of Baltimore. They just went on relentless attack of the cops after oh. Freddie Gray. Oh. That incident. Bill de Blasio, who's made it basically a campaign issue to pillory the cops at every opportunity. Oh. It's an embarrassment. And their whole tenet, the, the core principle of their criticism, is that these dangerous white police officers are out there hunting black men. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the single dumbest thing you will hear anywhere in America today. It is so ridiculously absurd. I sat in roll calls for two years in one of the most dangerous precincts, uh, a largely minority precinct in East New York, Brooklyn. I cannot tell you how many guys in that roll call, their biggest fear was a police shooting. Not because they were scared, not because they were cowards. These are brave men and women. Because nobody wants to be involved in a use of force incident for someone. You think people go out there like cowboys, like this is Wyatt Earp in the Wild West? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One, because of the moral implications of having to shoot someone. Mm -hmm. You better be sure you're right. Secondly, because of the legal implications. You better be sure you're right. Third, because of the economic implications. You better be sure you're right. Or you will be sued. You'll be sued regardless. But yet, despite the fact that morally, legally, and ethically, no police officer I've ever met in my life, and I met a lot of them are federal agents, wants to be involved in a police shooting ever, Democrats and liberal lunatics continue to assist that it's a shooting gallery out there. That police officers are on the prowl. They're out there like Predator from the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, like hunting people all over the neighborhood. This is stupid. But remember, Joe, Mm. Liberals, uh, what's their big talking point? We're all about the science. You are? Okay, well, there is science from the Jason Riley piece. Let's read the science for the liberal buffoons who can't. The science says this. There's a Harvard economist. Harvard, folks. This is not a far right-wing outlet. In 2016, by the name of Roland Fryer, who published an empirical study that examined more than 1,000 police shootings in 10 major departments nationwide. This Harvard economist concluded that there was, quote, no evidence of racial bias in police shootings and that blacks are about, listen to it, 24% less likely to be shot at by police relative to whites. Um, did I read that right? Now, if you're watching our YouTube Jeez. channel, you can read along. A Harvard study in 2016 documented if you are black, you are 24% less likely to be shot by police relative to whites. Again, don't let any of the data get in the way of your stupid argument. Can you put that back up again? Would you mind? There's another piece at the top that's interesting, too. What's their other talking point? We need diversity out there on the streets. Okay, well, well for, for what? I thought we needed qualified people. What does diversity mean? Diversity in what? Political beliefs? Skin color? I, you know, policing, I thought we needed qualified people. Here's another point Riley makes. But if racial and ethnic diversity were so essential to preventing police shootings and race riots, what explained the unrest the following year in Baltimore, which had a black mayor, a black city council majority, a black police chief, and a majority minority black police force? Is it even possible that biased law enforcement isn't the problem? Of course it is. Don't let that get in the way of your narrative, though. We need diversity. We need qualified police officers. There's more than enough black and Hispanic men and women out there who are qualified. Do the homework and get them hired. 
But don't hire anybody because they're black or Hispanic or white or Asian or anything else. Hire them because they're qualified. How hard is this? I can't thank President Trump enough. I mean this for bringing this argument up. I don't care if it gets him one extra vote. This is a fight I and Joe, too, Mm -hmm. we have been itching to have on this show for a long time. Long time, brother. And this is the gift to President Trump. Whether it was strategic or not, that bombshell tweet on Saturday has ignited a national conversation about inner cities that nobody gave a damn about before Saturday. Liberals, yeah, we care about the inner cities. Yeah, yeah, sure you do. All right, last story of the day, and I may have to cover some more of this tomorrow, but I told you I'd get to it, so I do want to get to it. John Solomon has just another just explosive piece of the hill. If you're not following John, you're making a big mistake. As we've repeatedly said, Joe Solomon... (laughs) Knows the whole story. It's very wise. He's dripping it out there, drips and drips. <laughs> yeah. He's very wise. So if I get it, yeah. I missed that Steely Dan reference oh, the other did. day, by the way. A bunch of, <laughs> I did. The audience had to email me a thousand times. Thank you, the audience. You keep yeah. keep track of me. Here's a Solomon piece that'll be in the show notes. The FBI director Chris Ray continues to cover for Team Comey's Russia shenanigans. What's going on here, folks? Right. Piece will be in the show notes. Please, please check it out. Christopher Ray, the FBI director, currently has been a disaster for public accountability. I don't know any other way to say it. I got an interesting email from this guy. He emails me, this guy, Chris, and he's like, well, you finally caught on to Christopher Ray. Uh, we did. <laughs> Do you even listen to the show? Joe, I'm, what? I'm not even going to yeah. waste the audience's time. <laughs> We've only been talking about this since Ray was hired, but whatever. Um, what's happening here is there is a, se- this is really important, okay? There are a series of memos that were generated in an interview Christopher Steele, the the alleged author of the dossier, conducted with the State Department on October 11th, in early October. Why is this important? The dossier, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, as a regular listener, was the bedrock document used to spy on the Trump team. The only allegations of Russian collusion, only, that we know of, come from Christopher Steele. So you think it's kind of important that just you know, a week and a half or so before the FBI uses this document to swear in an, in a, on a warrant to spy on American citizens? You think it's important that just a week and a half before he spoke to people at the State Department? You think it would be important that the State Department had notes of that interview when Steele interviewed with Kathleen Cavalek from the State Department? You think it would be important that in those notes there were some very serious questions about the credibility of the guy who wrote the document used to spy on the Trump team? I'm just throwing that out there if you think that may be important. Thank you, Joe. Joe said yes. I would happen to (laughs) agree with producer Joe. (laughs) You think we'd like to get our hands on those notes? No such luck. Oh, Christopher Wray, director of the FBI, Joe, is doing everything he can to throw up the penalty flag and say, not today, you can't get a hold of those notes. Oh, man. Why is this important? Because, ladies and gentlemen, as we can see from the Solomon piece, there's apparently a five-page memo that Steele sent to Kathleen Kavalek of the State Department that was downloaded from the website Kathleen Kavalek has that the FBI has their hands on. Oh, what does that say from the Johnny Solomon piece? The five-page memo that Kavalek downloaded from Steele from an internet storage site after meeting with him on October 11, 2016. It's a five-pager. She sent it to the then-FBI section chief, Stephen Laycock, now an assistant director, two days later. Oh, she did! Hmm. So the FBI has this memo. Great! It goes on. The document, according to Solomon's sources who have seen it, lays out a theory that Steele and some liberals spread late in the 2016 campaign 
that unusual computer pings between Trump Tower servers and Alpha Bank in Russia might be a secret communication channel by which Trump and Putin were hijacking the election. <gasps> there was a secret computer set up in Trump Tower to talk to the Russians where Alpha Bank in Russia was talking to Trump Tower? Ladies and gentlemen, a theory, by the way, it's been debunked by the FBI six different ways from Sunday. Where did we hear the Alpha Bank story yeah. before that Alpha Bank was a player in this big Russian influence operation? Yeah. Yes, where did we hear that before? Oh, the movie script, the movie uh, script uh, written by our buddy Glenn Simpson, uh, oh. who owns Fusion GPS, who hired Christopher Steele to tell that story to the State Department. Look at the date on the famous Wall Street Journal movie script piece, which, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, this is the central thesis of my book. Available now, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you know the deal, exonerated. They, this was a movie script. They just filled in Trump's name. The title of the piece in the Wall Street Journal. Sorry, Paul, can you throw that back up? I was getting off on a tangent there. This is the most important thing you can read. How Lobbyists Help Ex-Soviets Woo Washington by Glenn Simpson and his wife, Mary Jacoby. I don't think they were married at the time. Glenn Simpson owns Fusion GPS. Let me read to you a section from that article that's going to sound awfully familiar. Keep in mind, this piece was written in 2007 from Glenn Simpson's piece. Leonid Raymond, a powerful member of Russia's cabinet, close ally of Putin, uses a Washington public relations consultant. Raymond is under federal investigation in the U.S. over money laundering and is locked in a high-stakes battle with Moscow conglomerate Alpha. Whoa! For control of a Russian communications uh, empire. Alpha has paid Barbara Griffith and Rogers, the influential lobbying firm founded by Mississippi Governor Haley Barber, nearly $2 million in lobby fees. Whoa! Alpha Bank magically reappears. Magically reappears nearly 10 years later after Glenn Simpson's piece. Ladies and gentlemen, let me distill this down to you for the takeaways. I may get into this a little more tomorrow. The attack on Trump, that he was some kind of Russian stooge working to overthrow the election, is nothing more than a movie script Glenn Simpson wrote in 2007 with his wife, Mary Jacoby, for a piece in the Wall Street Journal about how Russians were trying to influence the United States. The same players in that piece are in the dossier and the Steele information and in the Mueller report. Demetrio Furtash, Oleg Deripaska. Huh. Paul Manafort, Alpha Bank, the same cast of characters. They took a movie script they written or they wrote 12 years ago, changed the name to Donald Trump as the lead antagonist in the piece, put it in the dossier and ran with it. And who had that movie script ready to go? Glenn R. Simpson, the owner of Fusion GPS, paid by Hillary Clinton to write a story about how Donald Trump was colluding with the Russians. Oh, I already got one. I'll just change the names. Conveniently, Alpha Bank appears in that interview, Christopher Steele, who Glenn Simpson hired to put his name on this stuff. The same exact players appear in that interview with the State Department just 10 days before. I got more on wow. this tomorrow. It's important. Right. I've got um, today's been, I'm sorry, folks, it's been a stack show. Yeah. I got some Green New Deal stuff for tomorrow. I've also got some more talking points to debunk about wage growth. Uh, the Trump economy has been doing great. So I got a lot of stuff. Don't miss tomorrow's show. Please subscribe to the show. YouTube.com slash Bongino. 
Also, subscribe to the audio show on Apple Podcasts, if you don't mind. Google Podcasts, iHeart, and SoundCloud helps us move up the charts. All free, of course, folks. Thanks for your time. They hope you enjoyed the show. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but... Are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen.